0: This is Michael Medved, and there are lots of tours of Israel that are on offer that will show you the Holy Land, but they often ignore the modern state of Israel and the way that Israelis really live their lives. And then there are other tours that will emphasize the modern state of Israel and Zionist history, but they won't emphasize the Holy Land capacity. We're covering everything from the latest high-tech to the most ancient archaeology in our tour to Israel with Discovery Institute. I'm going to be leading that tour personally with George Gilder, yep, the great George Gilder on technology and Stephen Meyer on science, myself on the history of Israel and its country and culture. Join us through Discovery Institute at discovery.org/israel2019. That's discovery.org/israel2019.
1: Welcome to Great Minds with Michael Medved, a production of the Discovery Institute. Here's Michael.
0: Welcome to Great Minds with Michael Medved. This is a unique podcast that considers not just what's in the headlines, but we do that too, but we try to take a a look at the ideas behind the headlines, ideas that are always with us and sometimes always in conflict. Uh, Our guest today is the amazing and unique public intellectual David Galerntor of Yale University. He is a, um, a groundbreaking, world-renowned computer scientist. He uh, actually has written about his experience as being one of the targets of uh, the evil individual known as the Unabomber, and he also been described by the Washington Post as a fiercely anti-intellectual computer scientist. Now, to see how David Galerinter could ever be described as anti-intellectual, that's fairly bizarre. But we will get to that Uh, because uh, Professor Galerinter is a painter. Uh, He is a writer, he is a columnist, he's written books including America Light, How Imperial Academia Dismantled Our Culture, and Americanism, The Fourth Great Western Religion. Particularly important book. David, because your own passions and commitments are so diverse, I want to try to explore with you how some of them might relate to each other. For instance, you would describe yourself as a conservative politically. What does yeah. that mean
1: to you? I, I have to say, first of all, I certainly don't consider myself any kind of political philosopher or, or, or innovator. I'm just a citizen, and I and I vote. Um, uh, to be a conservative, I think, means to give due credit to... Uh, the ideas that created the civilization we live mm-hmm. within, the ideas that created this country and the constitution of the Bill of Rights and the uh, the, the statutes we live with and the institutions that we profit by on the whole, to um, give due credit to the place we live uh, culturally as, as well as uh, geographically. Is to be a conservative. Um, you know, we live in a time of enormous uh, bizarreness in, in politics, enormous upheaval, enormous uh, well, unstuckness in some parts of the political spectrum. So it's not as easy to define the sides as it as it as it used to be, where there are economic issues and there are foreign policy issues and that's the whole thing. Uh, nowadays, being a conservative has to do with uh, being informed that children no longer are taught the phrase, What hath God wrought? which Samuel Morris uses, as the first to be transmitted telegraphically. To hear of that deliberate suppression of, of, of a, an important nugget of American history and be shocked and horrified. Well, that doesn't mean uh, you're in favor of uh, of, a, of a lower public debt or 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 uh, an aggressive foreign policy in Europe. Um, but these things all go together in some way. Um, our culture is under attack, uh, which is no secret because the attackers are perfectly explicit about the fact that they want to tear it apart. And having achieved so many of their political goals. Uh, they now, they now have a huge cultural field in which to hunt for for new things. Right, and and
0: of course, they do so much of that in the name of science, uh, and all, all yeah. based upon incontrovertible science. For instance, the science that teaches that there are no physiological, psychological, or intellectual differences between men and
1: women. Right? I mean, isn't isn't that clear, settled science? It's such a bizarre lie, because if you lie, you you ordinarily don't want to do it in such a way that children of three can, can see that you couldn't possibly be serious. Um, and, um, and you will find uh, feminists and um, leftists insisting that women ought to be in certain places and positions because women have certain characters and qualities. Uh, that men don't, which happens to be true. But uh, they wind up in the bizarre position of saying that women have certain obvious advantages over men, but men have no advantages of any kind over women, which is uh, sort of a strange way to imagine nature. Um, But I also find, I, I think, so many younger women... Are so disdainful of feminism. Huh. Uh, the ones I meet in as undergraduates at Yale, um, they're automatically kind of categorized, especially if they are students at places like Yale, as being feminists. And yet, so many of them are, are not really not feminists, but are uh, are offended by feminism. So uh, the tide the tide is slowly turning.
0: You're also known as as someone who's very committed uh, to the Jewish tradition that we share. Um, does that inform your political thinking in any way?
1: It informs my political thinking only, only to the limited extent that when I hear anybody dismissing religion as nonsense or childishness or mythology um, or unreconstructed uh, trash, um, I know that he's a fool, or at least an ignoramus, maybe not a fool, but doesn't know what he's talking about, and um, it doesn't mean that everybody needs to be religious, and there are certainly atheists in good faith, but uh, I've never met uh, an intellectually serious atheist uh who spoke disdainfully of religion. It's, um, it's a different matter. So there is a, a, a large cultural class of those who dismiss religion and are therefore dismissing, thereby dismissing, the, the, the roots and the heart of this nation, which is the biblical republic par excellence. It grew directly out of a culture that was just uh, saturated, soaked with the Bible. Um, it grew grew out of a culture uh, created by men and women who, who spoke in biblical quotations to each other and to their children and to their diaries and to their journals. And that's true through Abraham Lincoln, who knew the Bible better than it was said any clergyman in the room, no matter what room he was in. I mean, this is a um, deep, Ameri- long-standing American tradition. And uh, when we don't teach our children the Bible, and and we don't, because typically, if I have a seminar of 20, 25 undergraduates, most of them don't merely not know the Bible, but literally have never opened it. We've gone far, far, far down the road of suppressing information, and we're in dangerous territory. But as I say, I think we'll come back. I think we're turning slowly. Uh, What's the most
0: encouraging indication that you see looking around us from the perspective of uh, the 21st century, 2018, we're in right now?
1: Um, The the encouragement I I see is in terms of particular people, not a statistical trend or an average, but a person I'm thinking of Mm. who – uh, ten years ago was, was in a class I taught and is now a prominent journalist in Washington and is uh, uh, conservative politically, but more important uh, and, and always questioning, always skeptical, um, non acceptor of the normal liberal can't. And that goes through many other examples over the years. I was thinking of somebody with whom I just collaborated on a piece in the Weekly Standard this week or last week, um, who was also in a class of mine a year or two ago and is a little bit like the first person I mentioned. And and these people I'm lucky enough to meet, the, this is so, by far what, what makes Yale great. The one and only thing that does but more important than anything else the quality of its students and the, the privilege of meeting them is why i'm still at yale and why i uh, why i admire the institution and what it can achieve so it's the individual cases not just those two of course but um, young people who have struggled often against the tide Uh, Although usually their parents have been have been with them in that struggle, but who know very who see very clearly which way the wind is blowing politically, and who make a deliberate point of saying that's not my direction, I am not a feminist, or I am not a leftist, or I am not a a left liberal, or Or a moral
0: moral relativist, uh, or someone who teaches moral moral equivalency, in in terms of the worldwide. Uh, retreat of democracy that a number of, of very prominent people have noted, and and again, there are authoritarian tendencies in Europe, in in Hungary. Uh, obviously, you can see it in Russia and in China. The idea that China now has a president for life. Um, what what do you think is causing the retreat of this democratic series of values, which, as you write so eloquently, have, have so enormously blessed the whole world originating here in the United States.
1: I don't know that it's really a retreat. If you look at the history of Eastern Europe and Central Europe, and certainly of Russia, uh, you find very few intervals of anything even approximately <laughs> like democracy there are or exceptions. Or, or in,
0: civilization in some The Czech yeah.
1: Republic. Yeah, right. There are, And obviously there, there, are, there are great artists and great thinkers in all of yeah. these countries, but democracy doesn't come easily to them and never has.
0: But if you're talking about, I mean, places like the Philippines. In other words, if you if you look around the world, a number of people. I'm thinking of a scholar at Stanford named Larry Diamond, uh, who I've spoken to. Um, There, there, there was that whole Francis Fukuyama idea of the end of history. That basically the whole world had agreed that a liberal democracy, and I use liberal of course with a small l. was the was the way to go? was the best way to increase human happiness and prosperity? There seems to be less agreement on that proposition around the world right now, yeah?
1: Well, it was always nonsense. I mean the idea that that there was a, a democratic tide flowing, was uh, was ridiculous. There were moments which we certainly could have taken better advantage of than than we did. With the fall of the Berlin Wall and the breakup of the Soviet Union, yeah. um, we chose basically to shrug our shoulders and ignore everything that was happening in Russia until the inevitable happened and uh, and the democracy died. Um, just as we tend to ignore Poland. And Hungary and and places where we could make a difference and that could still emerge as uh, as 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 Western countries, we don't pay very much attention, and we haven't since the since the uh, since 1990. we, We we haven't since since the fall of the Berlin Wall. We've ignored. We've tended to ignore the whole question of Russia and Eastern or Central Europe. And democracy is just not natural to most people. Democracy seems to come easily to Anglo-Americans, possibly to Scandinavians, but even the French have all sorts of problems with it. (laughs) I mean, the French have no tradition of democracy stretching back further than the Second World War. They're constantly experimenting with Tinkering with new constitutions and having deep troubles working it out, and the same is true of Spain and of Italy and of outside of the Anglo-American center. Democracy is rare and is not the expected state of mankind. And I, we could have done something to help it, but I don't think we could have changed human nature. Mm. Uh, we did, we should, we could and should have done more than we did. But nonetheless, what we're seeing is 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 inevitable. Um, uh, you could say it's almost entropy at
0: work. Uh, certainly, in some of yes, these countries. Yes, exactly. Uh, one of the things that is stunning, and I I can't let you go without without dealing with this. In your book Americanism, uh, you're actually more positive toward the memory and message of Woodrow Wilson. Uh, than, than many of our fellow conservatives are. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Glenn Beck, who did his list of the 10 greatest bastards of all time. And he listed Wilson number one above Hitler and Stalin. Um, you don't have that view of President Wilson, why not?
1: Well, I I don't think it's fair to take him seriously when he says things like that, knowing that that they'll be dismissed as absurd and that they are absurd. But um, Woodrow Wilson, Woodrow Wilson was certainly a very unpleasant man personally. Um, all the evidence suggests that he was a bastard in personal terms. Uh, right. He didn't have very many friends and and nobody really liked him. But that doesn't change the fact that he is the man who put the United States into the world, even more than Teddy Roosevelt. Um, the fact that the United States is involved in the First World War is one of the great mysteries of, of modern European history. It uh, goes against everything anybody would have predicted of this country, but it was the fact of our involvement in the First World War that uh, made it possible for us to defeat the the German and Italian empires in the Second World War. So uh, Wilson did something very unexpected, very strange, very much out of keeping with the trend of American history, and yet it turned out to be what we needed to do and where we needed to be. We needed to be at the center of history, not sitting it out on the periphery, having having fun, enjoying ourselves, getting richer and richer. Wilson took that step, and uh, although he and I would have disagreed on every conceivable topic, or most most conceivable topics, and that's true of Wilson and most conservatives, nonetheless, he did a bold and tremendously important thing. And conservatives need to, ought to acknowledge the greatness of some liberals, of some leftists. It's not as if the, 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 the great innovations of history have been in the hands of conservatives uh, exclusively by any means.
0: I, I, I think about Wilson's war message in, uh, in April of 1917, where he says it is a fearful thing to lead this great and peaceful nation into war, but the right is more precious than the peace. He was echoing, as you argue, um, the, the, the notion, going back to the Puritans who we were speaking about, uh, of a, an American mission in the world. In, in the brief time remaining, if you were to, to tell your children and grandchildren ultimately what America's mission should be in this hurting and troubled world, how would you define it?
1: To show people how to do it, hmm. even, even more than intervening uh, or leading or fighting or donating, we need to be the shining city on a hill uh, of John Winthrop and Ronald Reagan and, and, and other great Americans, a biblical quotation ultimately from the Gospel of Matthew. We can and we should. And. Um In terms of achieving
0: that status of a shining city on a hill, uh, would part of that be going back to revered texts, both political texts, you mentioned the Constitution and the Declaration, um, and political texts, historical texts, and ultimately religious texts?
1: Absolutely. We have an emergency crisis in this country we are not educating our children i don't know how we can live with ourselves I, step one is to throw out all the schools and the colleges and start again and i say that with uh, <laughs> with uh, sadness i wish we didn't have to do it Uh, But we do. Um, The Internet is not a a blessing in lots of ways, but it makes this particular move easier. We must do it. Um, How we can graduate year after year of students who know nothing um, is beyond me. It is irresponsible to an extent nobody would ever have associated with this country, and I know we'll snap out of it.
0: And and may we snap out of it uh, quickly, and and one good place to start is for people uh, to go to our website, which is called Minds with Medved to check out some of the crucial books that David Galernter has written that make a conversation possible and make a big contribution to this American revival and refocus. That's mindswithmedved.com. You can find out more about David Galerntor. You can also take the opportunity to donate to keep these podcasts coming. If these messages are important to you, go to Minds with Medved and be part of this effort. We're very grateful for it. You can sign up as a subscription to be notified about future uh, podcasts that are coming your way. As a subscriber, it's free. So subscribe to Great Minds with Michael Medved at Minds with Medved. And uh, to David Galernter. keep the provocation and the enlightenment coming and appreciate everything you do for this greatest nation on God's green earth. Thanks for listening to Great Minds with Michael Medved. Available at MindswithMedved.com. Great Minds with Michael Medved is produced by Jeremy Steiner and Greg Tomlin and is copyrighted by Discovery Institute 2018. This is Michael Medved, and on my radio show, I'm generally concerned with what is timely, but every once in a while we get to focus on the timeless. And when you're talking about the timeless, I immediately think of our trips to Israel. We've taken more than a dozen trips to Israel with listeners, uh with interested parties. Many people are going to Israel for the first time, and for the first time in four years we're doing it again with Discovery Institute. Check out this remarkable opportunity, the Israel tour uh, at discovery.org Israel 2019. It's going to be happening in the fall of 2019, late summer, early fall, and we're going to be going with George Gilder about technology, with Stephen Meyer about science, and myself on the history and country and culture of Israel. Please join us.